Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the Business of Customer Love. Uh, This is the first time we've done an in-person episode, and I'm absolutely thrilled it could be at Advocacy Live. I'm delighted to be joined by today's guest, Adam Rostam. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So you're here to talk today about how CX and marketing leaders can use customer advocacy to get a seat at the top table of their businesses. Um, Before we dive in, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our audience and our listeners? So, hi, I'm Adam. Um, I used to to be a scientist uh, that got a bit bored of chemicals and then went to learn about marketing at Unilever. Uh, Unilever taught me all the ways of big company marketing um, and did lots of good things there, but then decided to get out and join Innocent when Innocent was Innocent, tiny, 20 people or so. Uh, Worked at Innocent for three years, turning them from West London's favourite smoothie brand into the UK's and and then Europe's favourite smoothie brand, and then went to work for Dyson, where I was CMO there, and then um, moved on to join a succession of unicorns, so Ovo Energy, Babylon Health, and more recently, Many Pets. Um, Since then, I've been... um, consulting, but also now started working as CMO with a really interesting company called Singulart, which is an art marketplace with, uh, that's working across the world. Fabulous. Thank you, Adam. We've got a big contingent of many pets in today as well, which is great. So I'm sure we'll, we'll reference them during the episode today as well. Um, so I want to start by talking to you about... Um, the last kind of three to five years we've seen an incredible change in the e-commerce space and just kind of retail in general Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts around how you've seen customer experience evolve over that time so what it kind of looked like to you pre-pandemic obviously how it escalated during the pandemic and now that we're largely out of the pandemic what it looks like now in businesses today can't really remember what was happened before the pandemic but um I think the pandemic was a real, a big moment for all of us as we were trapped in our homes to look at um, the experiences that we were having in our interactions with different companies. Um, and this whole notion of customer love, I think, really came out during the pandemic when companies did what they were supposed to do and catered to our needs. But also probably a bit of customer hate when you know, these companies weren't catering to our needs during the pandemic. Everything was much more acute. We were trapped in our houses. Um, so thinking about what elicited love and, and the great customer experience in, in those times was quite basic in a way. It was about sticking to your promise, doing what you said, you, you know, doing what your company said that they would do. Um, so, you know, Ocado turning up on time for me or other companies, for example, prioritizing vulnerable com- uh, customers to make sure their, their needs were met. So these were kind of key moments to focus in on the core of your business, business and um, and I think that's a real way to form a connection with your customers, be it good or be it bad. But then as we've come out, I think there have been some interesting, interesting trends, more around uh, personalization, 
Um, and of course, we can't get through that with, without talking about AI. So that trend of how we can become more and more personalized towards each customer's, customer's needs, but without necessarily having to do all the heavy lifting or by using um, AI to give us great data about our customers. And then more recently, obviously, cost, cost of living, introducing new, new constraints um, and really pushing probably businesses to think more and more about the money that they spend, whilst customers are also thinking more, about, more and more about the money that they spend too. So there's, I think, a whole new negotiation that's been happening recently between um, the value exchange between businesses and customers as a result of cost of living. Yeah, absolutely. And if I think back to the pandemic, obviously the explosion of competition within the market, and I think actually a way that a lot of brands stood out was through their customer experience, and it was a way to keep their, their customers coming back. Um, and I think we spoke about it earlier as well. There was obviously this, during the pandemic, this big focus around new customer acquisition. And I think now that we've come out of the pandemic, there's, there's much more of a, a focus and a need around how you keep your best customers coming back and bringing their friends, like, like Fred was talking about earlier. Sure. Um, so I think a lot of people sort of listening in the audience uh, and, and who will be listening to the podcast um, after this show as well, will probably resonate with the fact that customer experience, and I think marketing more broadly, can sometimes struggle to get a seat at the top table. They, they maybe struggle to get the influence they need within the business to drive through these changes. So obviously we've had some brilliant talks today around the power of customer advocacy and the transformational impact that that can have on your business. But I think also people listening will be thinking, well, how do I influence up? How do I actually kind of get these changes to happen within my, within my business? So I'd, I'd like to start by asking, why do you think that fundamentally sometimes a customer experience and marketing more broadly can struggle maybe to have the influence that it, it probably should have within its organization? If you're talking about customer experience and marketing, <clears throat> sometimes we deal in the subjective. And I think businesses are quite tuned into you know, the objective, the rational decisions. Uh, so that makes the case, I mean, so that really explains why sometimes we might struggle to get heard. But obviously, if you think about you as a customer and how you interact with a company, clearly these things might be subjective, but they're super, super powerful. So, I think we have to make the case that it doesn't always come down to numbers. Um, I think it really helps to have a strong voice yourself or a strong advocate, a founder, for example, on your side to really push the company to do brave things. And then obviously, when you can get numbers, when you can get data, you need to use them to you know, the best of your powers to make sure that you get heard at the top table. Yeah, absolutely. And I think interviewing other guests for the, for the podcast as well, it, it comes down to speaking in the language of the person that you're speaking to, right? So if you're speaking to someone in finance, it's kind of finding a way to, to, to kind of put it in their language so they can understand exactly what's going on. Um, and, and to that point, um, how do you think that uh, CX and marketing leaders can use customer advocacy to essentially elevate themselves and therefore their customers to get a top seat at the table of their business? Well, you just mentioned finance, so I, I, one, one piece of guidance or one thing I've always found is like the CFO is your best buddy. Um, you know, there's one thing marking your own homework, but if the CFO can say your work is good, then you're winning. Um, so to answer your question, I feel like there's, you've got to basically design your experiments. You've got to think about experiments, you used to be a scientist, and design them to make sure you get the numbers that you need. Um, and then that will enable you to uh, you know, get the results, hopefully have other advocates on, in the company saying that the results that you've got have been beneficial, and then use that to make a case to scale your activity up to impact the whole company rather than being a smaller test. 
So it's not necessarily a big ta-da, a big, a big launch of something always. It's something that can be tested and learned and refined and then rolled out. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And, and speaking um, about advocacy like very specifically, what do you think it is about growing through your best customers as a way of you know, growing more sustainably and profitably that could be used as a very powerful business case for companies to invest more in customer experience? Advocacy, you know, if you're going to be really blunt about it and, and just think about advocacy in the most basic terms, you can think about CPAs, so cost per acquisition. And in the businesses that I've worked for, uh, particularly OVO, Babylon Health, many pets, referral and advocacy have been our cheapest acquisition channels, full stop. So let's not put more money into the pockets of Meta or Google. Let's focus on the channel like referral, which in, involves customer advocacy, um, bring it can bring customers in uh, nice and cheaply as well, but also has the massive added benefit of driving word of mouth, building a reputation. Um, and that is a really objective way to get influence and make sure that people can see the benefit of what you're doing. And did you notice by doing those activities that also the quality of customers that you were bringing in was elevated by focusing on, you know, recognizing who your best customers are in terms of those advocates and then looking to kind of bring more of those type of uh, customers into the business as well. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think you heard an example, Charlotte from Inkpack this morning was talking about many pets. By focusing in on our top referrers at many pets, we were able to drive their referrals during peak periods and bring even more people in. So, yes, I think the answer is yes. And I'd love to, um, and, and Charlotte shared a, a great example earlier um, around what uh, a campaign that Many Pets did. Um, I'd love to get some more examples from you of campaigns that you've run targeting your, your brand advocates or looking to turn more customers into advocates, what that looked like, um, and how you got that to resonate with people you know, at the board level and how they sort of recognise the importance of that. Um, so one of the things I did when I was at Innocent was put the little woolly hats on the bottles. Um, I was just thinking about how would we, uh, wouldn't it, well, it, was, it was more of a like, wouldn't it be cool if? So I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if all the, little, all the bottles had little woolly hats on them to keep them warm um, in the fridges over winter? Um, and then I thought, well, why would we do that? And through some massive se moment of serendipity, I think it was Radio 4, something came on saying that more uh, older people die um, over the winter months in the UK than Norway at the time. And that just didn't seem right. So I thought, well, hey, let's put the woolly hats on the bottles and give money to charity for each one. Uh, then it kind of took me to this point of, well, how do we get lots of little woolly hats? And I thought, well, we could either get them mass produced in a factory or we could get grannies to knit them here in the UK. So I took that, I drew it on a little piece of paper and took that to the marketing meeting in Innocent and um, pitched the two options. And the founder said, I think you should get them made in the Far East. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, it'd be much easier. And I said, well, no, I think I know what Innocent is. And he said, well, go on then, see if you can make it happen. And so I had to go off and recruit a crack force of grannies to go and knit lots of woolly hats. I had to learn how to do knitting patterns. And um, yeah, we got 2,000 2, little woolly hats. We put them on, um, on, on bottles in four delis, Condator and Cook delis across London. And within a weekend, they'd all sold out. Um, that was 2,000 hats 20 years ago. And it scaled and scaled and scaled and scaled from, uh, from then. So it's run for 20 years. 
11, 11 million little woolly hats, 10 different countries now. So I'm super proud of that. Um, it's rooted in customer love, in the fact that I think it's like a triple threat, this thing. One is obviously um, the older people benefit because when they come together to knit, um, there's a real hive of activity. There's a real sense of community. So they get involved in an activity. Two is that um, when you watch people in front of the fixtures, because you don't get too much excitement around the fridge, but when, the, when people see the hats on the bottles, you can see them there thinking, oh, I want that one, or they're swapping the hats between different bottles. Um, and then the third element is obviously innocent benefits. So when they did this, um, and they, we, we ran it before I left, we ran it at scale, um, and we compared it to TV advertising, and running it nationally actually outweighed TV advertising in terms of the, of the sales uplifts that we got. Triple threat, everyone wins. Um, so in this case, it was rooted in customer love because people actually really enjoy you know, taking part in this, in this whole thing, this whole activity. So yeah, I think that's you know, a good, strong example. Um, another one was with Ovo Energy, um, where we had an issue where people were leaving us, and you know, customer retention is the key part of any business, and it's all the more prescient now as we focus in more and more on profitability, customer lifetime value. Um, so what we did is uh, we sent them handwritten notes just four weeks before their renewal window, um, stressing the, um, or emphasizing the positive impact they had on the environment as a result of uh, being, part of being part of OVO. And that actually had great, a great ROI, and it was something we aimed to scale um, with OVO as well. So they're two, two different examples, one probably a bit more broadly rooted in customer love, one very much focused on retention. Fabulous. And um, just thinking back to the first example, did you, do you think as a business that you recognised at the time what you were doing was, was rooted in customer love? Or was that something that you've kind of retrospectively realised that what you were doing was kind of rooted in customer love? I thought about this quite hard, actually. And it's, um, it wasn't rooted in customer love, if I'm really honest. But the way it was, was the fact that we loved our brand. A lot of what we did at Innocent in the early days, and I think I've been back there recently, and they're still the same. They're doing stuff for themselves, and they're really into what they do. So, you know, if you're going to dress it up in marketing language, it's about consumer insight, you know, being living your customer and all that sort of thing. But actually, I think it comes from a core of passion. Like, if you didn't care, you probably wouldn't go above and beyond and do things like that. Yeah, completely makes sense. Um, and just as kind of like a follow-up to that question, I guess for customer experience and marketing teams that are looking to build a powerful business case that they can then sell to the rest of the business to invest more in, in customer love. Um, how would you kind of advise taking, what approach would you take with that? Um, we've kind of touched on a few important points there, but just to kind of bring it together, where should, where should teams or individuals start when they're putting together that business case, do you think? I, I actually think don't build a business case. I, I think you need to start small. You need to find the key. There's going to be a couple of like-minded people across your organization. Find those heads. Find those people. Get together. Start talking about, about customers, about what, how the, what the gaps are in the CX that you've got as a company. And find those passionate people. Get together. Scrape some sort of budget together. And run an activity yourselves. Um, do that and then get the numbers that numbers will form the, form the base of a business case. And going back to what I said before, if you can go to the CEO, CFO, and say, look, we spotted this, we did this, we got the club together, we did this, and these are the results, who's going to turn you down? No one. Um, you know, usually 
if you can find a, su a successful case study or, or build one yourself, I think that's the way to do it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's not just a case of thinking sort of, I, I guess, at a big project that you can do straight away. It's kind of starting small, getting those small wins and then gradually building that up over time so you can then implement it further within your business. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I think the exception to the rule is that if you've got someone senior in the organization that really gets it, like a founder, that's willing to take risks and do brave things, then, of course, you should go straight there and try and do something big and dramatic. But generally, I think, as I said before, we're kind of dealing in the subjective in areas that aren't, aren't so um, mainstream in some people's minds. And I feel like you know, getting, some, getting a case study like that is going to make, make it far easier for you to scale and impact the whole business. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and just as a, a kind of like a final takeaway, I guess, we, um, we started off, the, the initial question was how customer experience and marketing leaders can use customer advocacy to get themselves and therefore their customers a seat at the top table. If there was sort of one key takeaway that we could, we could summarise from this, this episode um, as a starting point, what would you say that would be? I think, without wanting to refer, like to sound overly cheesy, but I do think it boils down to your passion for what you do, your understanding of the customer, and, and, and living that and bringing it to life through your work. Um, so look, I've worked in some fairly dreary categories. I've managed to get myself excited over stock cubes, selling them to you know, people cooking at home, or laundry. Um, not everything is sexy, exciting, but you'll find your way um, for example, in laundry, I was working in the Middle East for Unilever, and I, I mean, I, I like being clean, but I don't have a massive passion for laundry. Um, <laughs> but I, we did a customer insight day, and I found out that um, in speaking to lots of, they were housewives because it was the Middle East, we were talking to housewives, and um, they were talking about their laundry habits, and it turned out that they had recipes for the whitest whites that they would um, hand between different, between different housewives. And it was like a, a little viral thing that was going around saying, oh, I mix a bit of, um, of, of personal powder, add an aerial tablet, some bleach, and some bicarbonate of soda. And I found that fascinating. I really did find that fascinating. I, I, I thought, how could we use this as a company? Came up with a product idea off the back of that, which I pitched to the technical director, basically trying to give them ways of, of switching and combining things to get the best results that they wanted, but all from our company. So I'm, I, it all boils down, I think, to real customer connection, building your gut feeling as well, like really trying to understand how people are living, not just doing the same thing in your own life all the time, trying to expose yourself to lots of opinions. Don't always listen to this podcast, listen to different podcasts, things you disagree with, um, you know, chat to people with people, to people that you don't agree with, etc. Put yourself in loads of different experiences to build your gut feel for what people want and build your passion for the category. I think that's where it all comes from. Fabulous. Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.